Hello, and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I'm doing pretty good. Um, actually, to once again date ourselves, as we always do, um, I, d- I just saw Guardians 2 today because it came because it's out in theaters, uh, fresh new on on, on, t- on, t- on, fr- on today Friday, and so and so it's kind of fun to go from like one 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 depiction of like what does life outside of Earth look like to now this version of what does life outside of outside of earth look like so i'm just like yay i've been i'm just i've just been spending day in space and it's really fun because it's like <laughs> guardians 2 and then i was playing mass effect andromeda and now i'm doing star trek so it's nice. like all space I feel, I feel i feel i feel like the like like the little it's like the little orb from portal 2 who's just like space <laughs> space gotta go to space Space, 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 all space, so much space. space. <laughs> <laughs> With me as well is the not as well spaced out Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm pretty good. I'm I'm fairly spaced out. I didn't play any space video games today, but I did also go see Guardians Two <laughs> today. <laughs> so we're all just spending a lot of time in space. It's fine. We are. It's good. Well, I, I, Sarah was very happy because I finally beat uh, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yay! Seriously, yeah, my God. <laughs> Took me forever, and I loved it. It's great, and I like it more than, than uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Fight Clutching me, my pearls. nerds. I'm going to start antagonizing nerds <laughs> until they tell us why they listen to the show, because we love them, but we want to hear from them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speak to us. So I'll just start saying things that will piss them off. So, as Dumbledore said once, <laughs> use the Force, Luke. All right. <laughs> On an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. This week, we will be talking about season four, episodes 17 and 18, which is accession and rules of engagement. So first up is accession. We begin the episode learning Keiko is finally returning home. So Brian's life as a swinging bachelor with his heterosexual life partner, Bashir, is coming to an end. Keiko returns and quickly informs O'Brien she is pregnant, to which O'Brien is happy, but sad he is losing his more fun, freewheeling life. Meanwhile, Sisko is becoming more involved with this whole emissary gig when a 300-year-old ship exits the wormhole. The ship contains one survivor who claims he spoke with the prophets who have declared him the emissary. The man turns out to be Akaram Lan a renowned Bajoran poet who disappeared mysteriously before completing his greatest work. Sisko is happy to step aside and to concede Akaram is the true emissary, as the role had often conflicted with his duties as a Starfleet officer. However, things become complicated when in his first public speech, Lon urges Bajorans to go back to their Dejaras, a type of caste system that once ruled Bajoran cultural life before the occupation. For example, Kira's cast was of artists, so she would have to go to work as that instead of being on DS9. Sisko warns Lon that if Bajor returns to the caste system, they cannot admit Bajor into the Federation. However, Lon is okay with this sacrifice, as is Kai Wynn, while Shakar, who is of a farmer caste, opposes it. While Sisko opposes this, many Bajorans on the station already embrace the old system, including a female Bajoran giving up her seat for Kira because she is of higher caste. Sisko has a nightmare where Kai Opaka says he has lost his purpose, 
but he dismisses it as a normal nightmare. Meanwhile, O'Brien and Bashir are desperately missing each other, as Bashir tries to fill his heart with dark games with Morn, but it is just not the same. Sisko is shocked to learn Kira is leaving DS9 to go to the old Dajaras, much to Dis Sisko's dismay. Even worse, a priest is murdered in the promenade, a fellow Vedic claiming to do so as the killed man was of lower caste and was not willing to leave his position to follow the Dajaras. Sisko and Lon agree that the prophets need to choose who is the real emissary, so they go to the wormhole to meet them. The prophets reveal that they sent Akram to the future to remind Sisko of his purpose, and that he was never the emissary. Despondent, Akram requests to die, but Sisko has the prophets send him back to his own time with no memory of the future. Sisko returns and takes back the position of emissary, and the plan to go back to the old caste system is abandoned. Meanwhile, Keiko tells a visibly depressed O'Brien that Bashir seems awfully sad and in need of desperate need of male bonding time. A ruse she pulls on Bashir as well. As O'Brien leaves to go have fun, he acknowledges that yes, their marriage is still the best. In the bar, Sisko and Kira laugh over her failed attempts at art, while Sisko notes that the call of the prophets, Akram's long unfinished final poem, is now complete. Sisko is approached by a new married couple asking for the blessing of the emissary, which he gladly gives. What do we think of Accession? I liked it, but I'd like to sort of start from the end, I guess, and kind of ask a clarification question. I guess I didn't really understand why the prophets sent Akorum to Sisko. Was it kind of like... This is what will happen if you don't do your job as the emissary. I don't or no. Like yeah, neither do And I. I don't really get why he was having the visions with Kaiopaka either. Yeah, it's all about like you've forgotten your purpose, but he's doing his purpose. Right. Yeah. I guess the only reason I could say that is they could show him that an uh, an emissary that seems more This is my best guess, is that an emissary that seems better suited which is a famous Bajoran poet who's a mythical figure and now his poetry has existed so long he's like you know uh -huh. a uh, a homer type you know what i mean like you know a, mm -hmm. a a prophetic type of some sort and if you had that person in the future he would believe in old crappy outdated bullshit that shouldn't be around anymore so it's actually okay that you don't quite fit the role of the emissary because it actually is to our advantage that you're like a Starfleet officer. And that's what they need right now. They don't need this Bajoran prophet guy. But yeah, that I am just completely assuming, which is my big problem with this episode, is like <laughs> all right. that was just yeah. bullshit I pulled out of my ass because I'm guessing that's what they were going for. But that's my big problem with this episode. I don't know what the hell they were going for this episode. What do you think, Peter? I was honestly confused about that either. I, I, I mean, I... To, to, at least to me with how I interpret ter, you know, how I interpreted that moment uh, just like, in the moment um, wow, uh, was that the, is that the prophets just kind of sent out Akarim because they were like we brought him back to life because we could and this just happens to be the time that we sent him out oh wait that's right yeah Cisco did say this about progression and everything because time is totally irrelevant to us so we just we just did it but cool and i i don't know that that was the one confusing part about this episode to me that i will need to right. go back and watch that scene again 
Because they do mention, like, yeah, they said, oh, right, we forgot that the caste system is something you call the past. Like, they mentioned, like, to us, you always had the caste system, and you always didn't have the caste system. Like, and we forget that there's a delineation between those things, but that still doesn't quite explain what the hell they sent them out there for in the first yeah, place. Yeah, it still doesn't yeah. explain their reasoning. Yeah, they, he literally straight up asked him, like, why'd you do this? Or why'd you send him? He said, for the Cisco. And that's all the explanation we got. And that's the thing with the show, where, like, the show's very good at paying stuff off, so I don't want to outright say it's nonsense, because it may not be. And they end on a mm-hmm. line that I feel like they're going to pay off in some way or another, which they end yeah. on this line when they said, never forget, Cisco, you are of Bajor. Which makes me wonder. Yeah, yeah. that's gonna because that's something's gonna come out of that. That's a kind of ominous, weird, confusing line that I feel like they're gonna pay off. Whereas I don't think they're gonna pay off Akram probably, in my opinion. No. Which is I, why I want to call Akram being there and like why he was sent there, just kind of maybe not sense. utter nonsense, but like half nonsense. Half like nonsense. It, no, I. I I, I I almost want I almost want to say that Akram even being there was simply so that they could have that line in the end of Cisco, you are you are a Bajor. That's like that like that's about it. Yeah, I feel like this whole episode was more of an excuse to just talk about this interesting idea of caste yeah. systems. Exactly. Or I don't think they could have gotten Kai Win to convince people to go back in time. Uh go back to the old ways. Yeah. So what do we think of the cast system storyline this episode? If that was the point, I thought they they dealt with it very well. I mean, mercifully, in Western society, we don't really have a caste system as such. You can go into you know all sorts of you know political interpretations of that if you want, but we don't have a strict like your name is this, therefore you are this, like right. that sort of delineation. Um, but there were and quite possibly still are places in the world i don't know enough about other cultures to say that definitively but were that still a thing or that absolutely was definitely a thing in some places and this is a good exploration of that i feel like and i i know that um you know i went to rwanda a few months ago and we learned all about the the genocide that happened there which was basically a result of a kind of caste system that was in place and uh you know it reminded me very much of that one vedic who killed another vedic because he was of this different caste and that was the only reason and it's like oh god yeah, yeah well that's yeah. definitely this could get Sis- real bad real fast <laughs> that was definitely where Cisco was like um losing my best officer sucks watching people give chairs away to people of higher classes bullshit but Genocide. Let's stop that before that even starts. Let's, let's nip, nip that, that in the bud right now. Yeah, what do you think of the sort of the way they did casts in this episode, Peter? That uh, I d- d- even even the simple things like just like I like with the the woman who gave up her chair for um for 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 for, for Kira and like and 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 then and then realizing wait the um, the ear the earrings that they have aren't just really to say okay this is the family i'm from that's really about it it's like no they have that strong of a meaning in bajoran history where you can look at someone and tell okay 
this is who you are. I'm sorry. Let me move out of the way. Like, like knowing that even stuff like that, where, that that um that 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 the right that the writers decided to give their earrings that strong of a purpose was kind of like a, 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 a shock to me. Hmm. That's a good point. Think about that. But you're right. Though. Yeah, that's a good observation. I I didn't I didn't think about it being because of the earring. I thought she. I mean, I don't know how she she I mean, recognized I mean, that, that, that Kira that's, was that's of what that I, that's cast. What I'm assuming. But you're I, I you're right. I mean, it's again. part of like the family. Right. I think they also said it was partially due to like either first or last name as well. Yes. Mm, yeah. 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 That's an interesting point. Mm, yeah. Again, it's another interesting take of. I'm wondering if the um, Bajorans didn't believe in reincarnation. They haven't really talked about their afterlife, as far as I know, right? But gen- generally, caste systems evolve in places that believe in reincarnation. Not always, right. not necessarily, but like generally, the idea is you are in this caste for life because you know if you're in a low class, it's because you just started your cycle, you know, and you or you did something bad in your previous cycle, and you have to make up for that. Maybe you mm. can person this one, and then hopefully you'll advance in your caste to the next life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like that's sort of an old traditional idea of of caste system. So I'm curious if the Bajorans believe in some kind of reincarnation, and that's why they do it, or if it's some other, like you know, you have to be tested in one way or another in life, sort of thing. Yeah. But in particular, I enjoy just. I'm glad they brought a little bit of humor out of Kira having to be an artist, which is like the absolute <laughs> worst yeah. cast I think Kira could ever be in. The absolute <laughs> opposite of what she could ever be. I can never see Kira just like making pots, you know, like that's just the nope. last thing I could ever see Kira do. Like when she was like, I made plenty of birds, we'll make another one. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think they picked him as a famous poet? That was an interesting choice. A way with words, a, a, a way, yeah. a way, a way of using words mm. to inspire emotion, whether it be joy or pride or sorrow, and 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 then and then the fact and then the fact that he was a famous poet who who was mysteriously lost. That 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 and I mean I mean Kira Kira brought up how 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 for how for his unfinished work, every like basically every school child in, in Bajoran society knows it by heart and so and so I, I guess they decided to make it a poet because to, to show that you know this person was super revered so if he comes back and so if he comes out of the wormhole and says I'm the emissary then people would be more likely to, rem- to remember him totally because, fair because clearly he had, and... he had, he had a level of, of, of charisma about him when he especially when he gave his first um, his, his first public appearance in spite of how, in, in, spite, in spite of like what he was suggesting they do, and I guess it's it's that level of infamy. I don't mean that the the negative form of infamy, but just people knowing who you are. Um, that is still kind of like non-threatening like it's not as though they brought back like a general or even like a politician so i mean granted he ended up attempting to do some pretty political things but at least at first glance is just oh well he's just a poet he doesn't have any kind of backwards agenda or anything like that and of course he didn't believe that he did he's just like well let's just go back to the way things were right and he more believed that's why he got moved like it's sort of again the interpretations of faith kind of thing which is mm-hmm. like, well, if I'm from 300 years ago and we used to have Dejaras back then, and now they don't, 
maybe that's why I'm here. It's like that's now yeah. that we're right. free again and we can we could go back to the jars. Obviously, we as Westerners don't believe in that idea, but like uh, just have the possibility of going back to it. That's what we should be doing. That interpretation of the prophet's will. It must be nice to yeah. talk to God. I was just thinking that. Like, it must be nice. It's like, if you want to clear something up, you can literally get in a spaceship and go meet your God and be like. I was thinking about that too, actually. Just, you know, BRB, I'm going to head into the wormhole, talk to, you know, the supreme, our supreme being. Yeah. <laughs> it would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. A, a, a very literal way of just of, of just being like, "Hey, God, it's me," <laughs> in the ship right next to you. <laughs> Which one? The red one. <laughs> well, I think we have to talk about it. Let's talk about the the O'Brien Bashir bromance. This episode. God damn it! I love their bromance. I am so I glad. So that you worded it as his heterosexual life partner because it's like yeah that's pretty yes. much what they are now that's what i love is keiko realized like he needs him like he just yes. needs him as a friend it's a <laughs> very important part of o'brien's life right now and that's okay that's what i really liked about it like she didn't get mad or anything she was like as long as you have time for me and my baby you know you can go play <laughs> play with your mm-hmm. friend right she was like i'm I a matchmaker <clears throat> Exactly. The the bro matchmaker. Oh, so bro. Keiko is like <laughs> ultimate Julian's really bro sad. Wife. Hey, Miles is really sad. <laughs> Go talk to each other. Even working with men, because they know they can't just be like, you know, she knows O'Brien will say like, oh, no, no, no. She tells him like, you know, you're sad. Go play with, you know, Bashir. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's nice. And then nice little nod where he realizes what she did at the end. I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was sweet. They're the best. They're so cute. I love when she found his, um, you know, Irish warrior. Irish warrior yes. coat. She's like, what is this? It's like, what have you been doing since I've been gone? My goodness. So uh, I got into cosplay while you were gone. And I'm like, it's my life now. Really into it. <laughs> yep. Side note, uh, not only have we had an implication that Morn and Jadzia might have hooked up maybe once, there's also the fact that Morn had his arm around a very attractive lady in this episode, which I thought was fantastic. He's just at the darts, hanging out with his ladies. I'm like, oh, Morn, that guy's life. Morn's got game. Morn's got game. game. (laughs) Morn's just crushed. Those those eight hairs that he has. (laughs) Clearly, just like they are working for him. Definitely. More and teach us all your secrets. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else to say for accession? Um, the guy who played a quorum looked kind of familiar to me. What do I know him from? Yeah, he's been around uh, forever. One of those sort of that guys in a million uh, character movies. Um, yeah. Let me just pull up some of the some stuff he's in. He died last year, unfortunately. So. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Another victim of 2016 sadly so he was in let's see he's a dolphin's tale i'm sure you remember that he's been in a ton of tv shows law and order uh let's see if i can find something you know from awakenings if you ever saw awakenings that was a good movie Mm -mm. his name is uh richard libertini strangely the name does not sound familiar to me which is unfortunate 
But yeah, he's one of it those... doesn't sound fam- yeah, familiar he's... to me either. He just looks familiar. Right. He's one of those that guys you've seen in like a bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Ron Canada, the the main actor, the guest actor for Next Time is also one of those guys who's been like in a million movies. And like his voice was so recognizable to me when I heard him. Mm-hmm. All right, well, shall we move on to Rules of Engagement? All right, our next episode is Rules of Engagement. We begin in media res as Worf has a nightmare about Klingons taking over the Defiant and killing his friends. He awakens in the DS9 holding cells, and we learned he is about he's about to face an extradition trial. Worf is accused of knowingly killing over 400 innocent Klingon civilians when, during a fight, a civilian ship decloaked in front of the Defiant, and Worf had fired at it. The prosecution, led by the Klingon Chupak, wants to prove that Worf has a deep hatred for his own kind for their unfair treatment of him, while Sisko, as his defense, wants to prove Worf is a good officer who just made a mistake. Chupak notes to Sisko that Worf being found guilty could escalate the Klingon Cold War into a hot one. Jadzia is first to take the stand. She notes Worf has the same bloodlust as any Klingon, but he is good at controlling it in their Holosuite programs. Despite not having proper rights to use it as evidence, Worf allows Chapak to share his most recent Holosuite program, the Battle of Tong Vei, a program Jadzia is forced to admit is one where Worf plays the conqueror Sompek and ends with him ordering thousands of innocents killed. During recess, Sisko and Chapak converse. Chapak admits he is more interested in the Battle of the Courtroom than he is in Worf's innocence or guilt. Sisko notes that Worf was chosen to lead the mission a convoy of medical ships going to help a Cardassian colony on the edge of Klingon space, and that Worf was only to attack if he was provoked. Quark is the next to take the stand, and after some rambling, reveals before the mission Worf said he hoped the Klingons would attack. Odo discovers that the captain of the destroyed vessel was not militant, and their course was very close to the battle, so it could truly be a real accident, but there's still no explainable reason why it decloaked. Next on the sand is O'Brien, who was the chief gunner on the mission. He notes that he followed a cloaked bird of prey when they got a tachyon signal Worf ordered him to fire on it before they could identify it. By the time they fired, the civilian ship had decloaked, but it was too late and it was destroyed. O'Brien stands by Worf's decision, but when pressed by Chapak as to what he would do if he were in command, O'Brien admits he wouldn't have ordered the ship shot at. Finally, Worf takes the stands. He stands by his decision that he was more concerned about the convoy than a slim chance of a rogue civilian ship. Chapak brings up all the troubles the Empire has given Worf, setting up the case that Worf is angry at his own people. After insulting Worf by saying Alexander would view him as a traitor and a coward, he punches Chapak, which according to Klingon law is considered a dumb move. The Arbiter goes into liberation and Sisko is concerned that Worf's actions and Chapak's emotional manipulation will win when Odo comes in with the evidence ex machina. Sisko asks the Arbiter to consider the new evidence, and he has Chopak take the stand. Sisko gives him a list of the names which Chopak notes are all the casualty from the destroyed ship. Sisko notes that all these people have nothing in common except for one thing, that every single person had also been on a different ship that crashed months ago, though what was reported as having zero casualties. Sisko notes this leaves only two possibilities, that either coincidentally all the same people from that crash got on a different ship months later, 
or the Klingon Empire covered up a fatal crash in order to blame their deaths on the most hated Klingon in the galaxy and to use his crimes to engage a new war. Even Chapak has to agree that this is the likely answer, and the case is dismissed. While Bashir and O'Brien throw Worf a not-guilty party, Worf is stewing in his quarters when Sisko arrives. Sisko chews out Worf for making a fatal error and shooting on a target he hadn't identified. He reminds Worf that Starfleet put civilians above all other lives, including their own. Sisko notes that at least this time there's no dead on his conscience, to which Worf responds that he still feels like there is, to which Sisko replies is why Worf will make a great captain one day. He encourages Worf to go to the party, which is more for his crew than Worf himself. Worf comments that wearing the red uniform is conflicting and difficult, to which Sisko states it only gets worse the more pips you get on your collar. What do we think of the rules of engagement? There was a part of me that just did not enjoy this episode. I thought it was stupid. Wow, interesting. I, I, I thought it was pretty fun, so yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. This, um... So, I, I, I guess, I guess, part, I guess, part of me can can understand that you know, that, uh, with that with 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 Japak questioning Worf's intent, can play a can 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 and does play in a, can and does play a role in in, in cases when it's like what when it's like was your intent to kill, um, but just how they went about it and how and and how. He was able to get so far in basically just insulting Worf to his face about his son and his honor, and 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 how and how and how him asking O'Brien, would you have shot? And O'Brien saying no could somehow be used against Worf was just really stupid to me. It 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 it, it just put a really sour taste in my mouth. And 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 beside and besides. Cisco chewing out Worf in the end where he was like, yes, no, this is how you should have did it because you know that you're in Starfleet. This is how it works. And you know this. It, it, the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole episode just seemed like like just a, another, extended ver- another extended episode of, this is Worf trying to figure out the new color he's wearing and this is Worf trying to figure out how shit works in Deep Space Nine. But it wasn't necessarily entertaining to me. Alright. Sarah, do you agree with this hot take? Um, I don't disagree with it. I will say that. Uh, that said, I, I did kind of enjoy it, but I think that was because of the way every, they filmed everyone's testimonies, I guess. I thought that was really interesting how they had, you know, the person giving the testimony was, you know, sitting down but not in the courtroom they were in like the space where the event happened that they're talking about and they're sort of acting it out again as it happened while they're looking at the camera and telling us their story i thought that was kind of cool um i'll agree i did like that yeah um but as as for the story itself i found it kind of confusing and at at the end When they explained, you know, why it was all a ruse just to make Worf look bad, I didn't really get why until I heard you read the summary again just now, Ben. I was like, or I just, I I guess I didn't get that the ship was truly empty. Like, I misunderstood. Like, they had just had the same people get on the ship. It's like, well, why would they do this to get blown up? I don't know. There was some 
lapse in communication when Cisco was shouting angrily at Chapon <laughs> that I just didn't get. Right. Yeah, well, he did a lot of, uh, isn't that weird? But they didn't like ever say why it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? Um, I agree with you, Sarah. Yeah, I think I think maybe the core of this episode is problematic, but I think it is a very good example of how good direction and good acting could make a somewhat standard episode much more interesting. And I, I did enjoy this episode partially for those um, those testimonials because they're like you said they are very interesting the way they sort of bring you into the action. I think that's a very clever way of of sort of doing that they've done a million different star trek trial episodes and they always do different ways of showing the testimonies without just having a person talk about it which i find very fascinating this i thought was one of the more elegant creative ones typically they show stock footage aka like an old episode or like they (laughs) will have like holographic recreation which is just them acting out in a set or something like that i thought this was a more elegant artistic interesting way to do the testimony without obviously being just boring O'Brien talking on the, the stage. Um, that being said, I do think it suffers from being like the 19th episode this season of Worf is Conflicted. Um, yes. It led to, yeah. I think, the best Worf is Conflicted monologue, which is the end of the episode. And that's why I think I overall give this a positive episode. I think if an episode or a movie ends strong, I'm just genuinely more into it uh this had this with the movie lost city of z recently i was like it's a solid movie and then it ended really well and i was like this is amazing um <laughs> and it wasn't like amazing but i think it was probably one of the better monologues on the show one of the well dialogues and one of the better sort of moments for the wharf being conflicted thing um that being said i do agree that uh the entire episode was just maybe a bit shaky and i think my big problem is one something Peter brought up, which is that they are really bad at following law and order procedures. I know it's a TV show and they never follow law and order procedures, <laughs> but they are very bad on Star Trek. And second, I just want one trial episode where they win because they're good lawyers instead of finding the evidence last minute. It's always they find the evidence last minute or the guy one thing or something like that. Like I'm just kind of tired of that. Yeah, I was like I, the whole time I was like, "Well, it's the secret." Like, because there's yeah, no they, way they've got, they've got to have their air butt moment. <laughs> that's honestly what that's honestly what I'm what, what I'm probably gonna start calling it these days. Because like because like especially with people our age, I I, I feel like I'll, not most, but a lot of us have seen air butt. Air, but like they're losing the losing the final game, and this is the championship game, and of course it's being played at their school, and then they're totally losing. But then the dog comes in, they're like, "Oh wait, that's right, the animal is here. We can win now." <laughs> I always use Airbud for like the uh, one line of dialogue rule, where like somehow if they say like a, it's not in the rule book, this dog can't play basketball, like that's right. somehow law, like. The mm. absence of a law does not make law. I think that's one of like the core laws. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like well, it was never considered. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just kind of tired of the trial episodes ending with like, uh, here's the new piece of evidence. Um, even though I kind of thought their scheme was kind of fun. We lost you for a second there, Ben. Oh, sorry. So what do you guys think of like trial episodes of Star Trek? 
In general, I don't really like them um, for all the reasons you listed before of that it's either an excuse to just, you know, use scenes from previous episodes or, you know, they'll just sit there and talk about what happened and it's all dramatic music and dramatic looks and all this and this. Um, <laughs> but this, in this episode, the, the way that they presented the testimonials actually drew you into the action of what everyone was talking about and that made it significantly more engaging for the viewer which i really appreciated and i was like okay i can i can sympathize with what's you know with these characters like i get it i know it's where they're coming from now <laughs> also can i just say if it's revealed that uh i kind of hope it's going to be revealed that um uh wharf and jedzia were hooking up like the entire time because it's getting ridiculous at this point. <laughs> yeah, no. So like we're gonna see their first kiss later. I'm I'm gonna be like a little bit annoyed it took this long. I kinda wanna yeah. I kinda want a community this, joke where yeah. they're like, oh, we've been hooking up the entire last season or something like that. Yeah, like I, I I don't need it to be this slow of a burn. Like I don't I don't need them to be trying to boil water at five degrees. <laughs> That's right, it's not like it's not like Jim and Pam or one of them's engaged and like a bad or, you know, like one of those good slow burns where you're like, they should be together, but it's kind of wrong. You know, it's like, they're both single. They're both hot. They're both ready. Like, come on. They're both hot. They're both ready. <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> what are we waiting for? We're all sitting around on a mm-hmm. space station waiting for Klingons and Dominions to fight. Like, this is the opportunity right now. Yeah, and everyone's just staring at us like, dude, come on, just do it. Please, for the love of God, just do it. <laughs> So yeah, what I know me and Sarah said you liked it. Did you like the sort of way they did the uh the testimonial? I will agree. I did I did like that because I I, I did because because yeah, it it, it was be, it was better than having a holograph like like a, a holographic recreation like Sarah like Sarah said. Um I I, I I did I did enjoy those moments, especially especially with Quark, where he was just like, "Yeah, so I was in my bar. We're in the bar, and it's like, okay, I can appreciate this direction. Whoever whoever made this decision, yeah, they had a little to, cleverness like, with the the Quark one, which I liked, where they have this nice little camera trick where they're like, Bashir was sitting with the Dabo girl X, and then he says something, and then like, or was it Y? And then they cut back, and it's a different one, or maybe Z, and then they cut back, and it's a different one. <laughs> it's like, no, wait, it was Morn. And then they had like a, I really enjoyed the little tease of Morn's voice, which is right. what I'm now realizing that he's sort of a. Uh, I guess the closest would be that that character behind the fence in uh, Home Improvement. Remember that? Oh character? my God, yes. Remember how like there was a running joke you just never saw his face. I feel like that's the that's this of the show is that Morn clearly talks. I think we've learned, but we are just as mm-hmm. viewers going to always be missing it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the tease this episode where he's like, and Morn said, "Stop it!" <laughs> Guys, <laughs> cuts him off. No, if we if we ever do hear his voice it'll be like the last episode last 30 seconds or like last five <laughs> seconds it'll be like the last voice we hear i don't know yeah <laughs> oh, that was crazy guys ah you're right morn <laughs> you know? and show's over you're like what or you're like morn do you ever stop talking jesus <laughs> it's gonna be like in um the third 
part to the Caribbean film where that one guy stands up and you're expecting this kind of like deep booming voice. It is this high pitched squeaky little voice. <laughs> we shall go to war. <laughs> Is that my voice? This is what my voice yeah. is? Yes. Yes. <laughs> is that my voice? Oh, well. Uh, Emperor's New Groove. We should, do, yes. we should do Emperor's New Groove minute by minute. Yes. Special, special Deep Space Nine episode. Emperor's New Groove. Having nothing to do with Star Trek. I would totally do that. It's if we like do, 60 though, minutes I'm drinking. I'm making my own drinking game, and I will have so much fun. <laughs> yes. Oh, that movie. So uh, what do you what do you guys think of the sort of final scene with uh, Cisco and Worf? Do you feel like Cisco was was right to sort of chew Worf out in that situation? What did you sort of think of it? What he had to say about I th- command? I think he was right in his position as Worf's commanding officer to chew him out. Um, that said, I don't know that I would have behaved differently had I been in Worf's position. I mean, they're in the middle of a fight. This. You know, an enemy ship appears right in front of you where right. there's all this stuff going on. Like, yeah. you bet I'm going to fire on it so it doesn't kill me. Right. Civ- and it's like... Why would a civilian ship it, come right at you? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Like, and the, like the, thing that, the thing that there was... What the, blah, 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 I can't talk. Words. The exact thing that they were talking about from the beginning. Like, they can see what's happening. Why would they be that stupid? Yeah. To come right at them without hailing or anything like that, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no hailing, no no warning signals, no 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 shoot, no shooting off a gun, being like, "Hey, it's me. I'm totally friendly. I'm just gonna fly right into the middle of a of a huge space of a huge ship fight that we can all clearly see while cloaked." Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not the best choice. <laughs> I I, th- I think I think that I think that's where my where where my where my general dislike for this episode began, the 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 fact the fact the fact that they were the fact that they allowed they 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 allow they allowed Chapak to continue off con- even con- even continue continue the trial after they had established yeah it was stupid for this ship to fly right into the middle of a fight because who does that? Yeah yeah I think that that's fair and I think it is fair that the entire time is my. Worf's character instead of Worf's like actions or evidence, you know. Yeah, Which feels like maybe should be more. Yeah, I mean important. because like it's it's definitely a concern that 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 Worf told Quark, "I hope they do attack us." That's definitely a concern. That's definitely mo- a reason for pause. But it's like we've established that 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 he did not in- he did not actually intend to kill civilians. Right. Like because who because why would they be there? Yeah. Why are we right. still talking Intended about this? To kill warriors in the heat of battle, then it would be glorious and honorable and all of the things. Plus, he was dealing. Plus, he was dealing with he, he was dealing with um with the with the flight pattern that he had seen repeatedly. What else was he What else was he supposed mm-hmm. to think would happen? Right. And the whole thing felt very suspicious from the start. Yes. This is fair. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else to say for uh, rules of engagement? Not really. I mean, there wasn't really a B plot as such. It was, yeah, it was just all, all warf. Yeah, rather straightforward. Jadzia looked good in this episode again. She did. She, she always, always looks good, but yeah. I think I mean 
Yeah. <sighs> Might be problematic to say, but her sweaty up against a wall with a knife on her. <laughs> no, it's kind of hot. <laughs> it's like there's just something I mean... about it. <laughs> something about it. <laughs> I think the fact she was safe the entire time makes it okay for me to say that, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. It's yeah. Jetsy is still hot. I think we all still agree on that one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave you all with that. <laughs> well, that has been our episode. Next week, we'll be discussing season four, episode 19 and episode 20, which are Hard Time and Shattered Mirror. And I'm sure that's not a Mirror Universe episode. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-hosts for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.